Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, we are excited to be back in the armchairs. I'm talking with Pastor John, and we reflect on what life has been like for the last 17 months and our new series entitled Longings. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, well, we're back. It's uh, episode, actually episode 34, but you and I were just talking. It's been 16 months. 16 months since we did 16 months. We, April 3rd, 2020, we, was the last episode that we did, um, we were at that time preaching to empty space mm-hmm. in front of cameras, and I think the key, the the reason we we sus- suspended it was because there's just so much we had. Well, so much was going on, and we were busy in that learning, <clears throat> learning how to do church without people being present with each other. And the cool thing about this armchair preaching, prior to that, was we're two preachers every Sunday. And preaching on the same text, yeah. but two different sermons, and we get to work off each other and talk to each other about how that went. And yeah. and so now that we've gotten that back, and we've gone through the first series, we started a new series, and, yeah. and it was your idea that, hey, when we start the new series, why don't we start back with our, our yeah. preaching? So here we are. Well, because like for those that have not, you know, that maybe this is their first episode, and and we've got a we. Funny thing is, we we actually do have quite a few new people that have come to church, and then people that have also accessed us online during the pandemic, um, who may not even live close. So this, if if this is your first time hearing the, the episodes or the backed episodes are there as well. But one of the things that's unique about FPC is we do have a format of, of worship services in typical time where we do have two preachers every Sunday tackling the same scripture texts and topics but you're always going to get a unique perspective. And so um, we have some people that listen to both sermons every week. Um, Some people don't. Some people go to one or the other. And uh, this gives them an opportunity to kind of hear how we approach those texts as well. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about the pandemic first. And obviously we're not done. Um, We were hopeful that we would be really kind of putting a more of a period at the end of the sentence. Back in June, it looked like... And it was looking good, too. Yeah, the really numbers was. were all going down, and all of a sudden, the Delta variant started going yeah. up. and Everything kind of is now we're in, again, reaction mode. Um, but I think a little bit more wise, or <laughs> I'm not really sure if we're wise or weary <laughs> one way or the other. So, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, but what... So, talked about... We talked. You talked so just a second ago. Um, you said you know we were learning how to do church. So yeah. I wonder now that we have been at this for seventeen, eighteen months almost since the first shutdown. Um, what do you feel like you've learned about the church, um, Big C Church, and about our congregation at mm-hmm. FPC Lakeland? What do What do you feel like you've learned? Because we've never, no one's ever done this before been in a pandemic like this? I think I'll start a little smaller and just talk about uh, about this church um, and say that th- we have some incredible people in this church. Yeah. We were on a learning curve for the first... You were you were part of it. We were all part of this. We were mm-hmm. like, how do we do worship? How do we... 
How do we engage and help have a congregation feel like they have not disconnected from their church? And, uh, and it took the, the resilience and the imagination and the energy and the, and the skills of um, many people just to sort out. It, and it seemed like, you remember those early days, it's just like every day. I mean, I, I remember thinking, okay, it's March 15th when we shut everything down mm-hmm. and said, we're, you know, it'll, it'll affect Easter. But what we'll do is that in a couple of months when this goes away, yeah. or I literally remember thinking in oh. a couple of months when this go away, we'll just have an Easter in J- July yeah. or something like that. And we'll just bring in the big instruments and we'll have yeah. a big day thinking that it would just be done like that. Yeah. Well, in the early days, say, so, well, we got to figure out how to be, be church. And then eventually we're like, oh, no, we need to settle in for the long run yeah. uh, with this. That took people of just great capacity. And I, so the first thing I'd say, I, I've just seen that this church has incredible people. Think about the technical teams, yeah. the things that were done te- technologically, and then just the people in, in general. That I love that the people have, have said, I still feel connected to my church. Yeah. And how does that happen? You know, I think that's it's like it's like anything. You can do a video. You can get by with doing video work, video conferencing type of work, like yeah. Zoom stuff, if you have the the person to person relationships that have been established. Yeah. And so we had the person to person relationships that were established. We started in with Zoom. Everything was you know that people still felt connected. They still feel that way. I, there are some people that you know, they've stepped back away from in person worship with the rise of the numbers, and they still said. I just got a note yesterday from someone saying I still still feel engage with my church yeah and that's all all of that comes down to just the, the just there's a great 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 group of people in yeah. this church that's one thing i i've i, mean, I sort of knew that but i was new if you remember i was i'd only been yeah. here six months yeah and so i'm still learning the the, the crowd here but i i've just fully confirmed that this is a fantastic group of people yeah yeah i totally echo that i, I you know for me i think looking at our church we um it's funny because I think if you go back to the the last two podcasts that we recorded, they were pandemic podcasts. We like even talked about that, um, and we were we were like anticipating you know July August maybe it'll go through to the fall. Um, I think the thing that really has been encouraging to me is that. There ha- there has been some flexibility and resilience in the people. Um, now we're I think we're a little bit tired of that having to be flexible yeah. and resilient. I think, um, and, and I think we kind of there was a lot more rallying. Um, I think just you know, I saw the general. I I knew this about FPC. I've been here eight years, but this is a generous congregation, and the pandemic just Im- demonstrated that once again, because you know we started the COVID relief fund. Uh, and and that, that was big. And that was huge. It was and, needed. And, and the it was thi- big. The thing that really impressed me about that was that was we started that at a time when we had no idea what the giving trends were going to look like. There was a lot of faith that people were still going to be, you know, they were going to be on the mission of FPC Lakeland even when they couldn't show up in person. Mm-hmm. And that's an expansion of our giving ministry when we didn't know what that was going to be like, you know, and that to me was showed a a tremendous amount of faith and care in our community, which I I knew we always had that, but this was one of those. It's so cool to see it evidenced once again like that. And everybody knew, I mean, we, we knew that people, we knew 
because we, we maybe we, some of us were the people who had been affected directly yeah. by the financial losses because of job losses, whatnot. Or we, we certainly knew somebody who yeah. was. So everybody knew that this is, there was a reality attached to this, and they're giving. It, it, it was a reflection of the of the heart of the people, and that yeah. was great encouragement to see that too. Yeah, and and you know, think about like you know the the generosity of a congregation when the when everybody when the giving is really high. And you know the giving's gonna. There's no reason to believe that there's gonna be a drop off, and so you expand ministries. That's that's a great thing. But to know it when you don't even have the faith that your people are gonna be able to continue to give the way they have been giving. That was to me. That was a that was a great encouragement. Um, I'd add another thing that I think that came out of the pandemic that we've all we've all seen, and that is that there's that there is a place for um, and, and a value and maybe a, a new emphasis on the uh, online audience yeah you know they'd always been there before but Anna Mays our executive assistant was so funny because in the early days you know we'd have five six thousand people yeah as our best calculations watching us online yeah she goes we're an online mega church that was her that was her phrase there uh and it's it's tapered down since then but it it is still to this day it is twice more than twice what it was pre-pandemic of how many people are watching us online yeah and so it really says to me there is a place in the life of the Church of Jesus Christ for reaching out and, 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 and engaging people with an online uh, who are online only. And we're, we're extremely blessed because we had a good baseline of that technology before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was we had to do some shifting, obviously, and, and we're still shifting with that. But be, I think David Bailey and, and Brian Prim and our tech crew, um, they were able to shift pretty. E- we weren't in. We were not one of those churches that had to be like, "Oh, we've never done online church before. Well, right. What do we do?" We were able to ask the question, well, "How do we do this better?" Like, and then how know? do we expand it into the sanctuary? Which exactly. Was a, which was an early win for us during this process. Yeah. Is that we were able to, and that's another one of the another one of the cool things that has come out of the pandemic is that prior to the pandemic, we only recorded the sermon from yeah. the classic service. Since the pandemic and and to this day and the commitment going forward is that we will always have the entire an entire classic church service available for the online yeah. audience. That was a big win, and yeah. we, and it took those those same people to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah, a lot of hours to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, and and it and also speaks to the our commitment to a diversity of worship practice or worship styles and worship formats and and having giving the online church the same opportunities. And I think too, you know, I, I hear, we heard this, we, I used to hear this a lot with people before the pandemic in person. You know, some people would go to 815 classic service and then come to 1030 Vine, you know, because they wanted the full kind of thing. And then some people would say, well, I go to, you know, some Sundays I go to 1030 classic, some Sundays I go to 1030 Vine. The online church didn't have that option really to be able to do both. Now we have people that say, well, I, 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 you know, before the because the eight fifteen service goes at eight fifteen while I'm watching the entire service exactly while, while I'm getting ready to come to church for for Vine, I I watch the service and experience the the classic service. So you give people <clears throat> more of a full Lord's Day yeah. experience yeah. Right? Yeah. as opposed to just here's your hour. You know, yeah. um, and that's actually what we found during the pandemic is that is that 
people will watch their home church, so they'll watch this church, mm-hmm. and then they'll watch the church that they grew up in, maybe because yeah. they figured out how to do uh, online, yep. and they watch the church of some other church that their their nephew is an yep. uncle or their uncle is a is a pastor. So they ended up being going from one church, typical Sunday morning of a pre-pandemic of one church. You get dressed, go to that church, have some fellowship, go to class, come home, and that's it to you're at home during the pandemic and you're watching three, I've heard people watching three, four, oh, five, yeah. six church services yeah. in a day. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're well-churched. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one of the things uh, probably about four or five weeks ago in one of our staff meetings, you, were, you had kind of challenged the, or, or kind of had a, an open round table with the staff just about, you know, what were the things that you learned positively from that time? Of course, Four or five weeks ago, we thought we were coming to the end of this, yeah. and now we're in a different cycle. But, uh, but then you also asked kind of the the other side, what was really challenging, like for us as individuals. So, what was challenging for you as a pastor, um, considering it was a, a a big shift in how we do pastoral ministry? What did you find was the biggest challenging aspect of of the pastoral ministry during that season? Well, two two things I think would stand out to me. One of them is when we were locked out of the hospitals and the care mm. facilities and the, and the assisted living facilities, I'd never I'd never experienced that ever as yeah. a as a pastor. Like I'm I'm just hardwired. My car can probably auto drive to the hospitals mm-hmm. and to the and to the care facilities and the assisted living facilities. And to not have that for yeah. almost, I mean, that was probably a full year. Well, yeah. Uh, before we could even go in, I think I went to the hospital one time, and it was somebody was dying. Yep, me too. And that Same. was that was the that I could I could I was allowed to go yeah. one, one time. So that was that was really it was really tragic in some in, in many ways because here you have you had so many people. It was heartbreaking because so many people were facing surgeries mm-hmm. and crises and and end of life mo- moments by themselves yeah. or maybe with one other person when they would rather have you know, others around. So that was really tough. Yeah. I, I, that's probably the, the hardest thing that, that, to do. And then the other, the, har- the other thing that was difficult was uh, making decisions in real time yeah. as new data keeps coming up, knowing that you know, it, was, it was the weird thing. We talked about this early on is that you have people who, who politically, theologically are in alignment with one another who have very now all of a sudden have very different mm-hmm. views of what masks and and social distancing and whether the church should be open or closed and yeah. and so you know and, and and their personal decision and personal freedom and so just navigating through all of that and just just trying to love people through their own sense of place and all that and and try to find that right place for us to be as a, as a church that was that was uh, that was stressful. Yeah. How about you? Well, for me, I think it's it's sim- very similar to what you're talking about. For me, it just comes down to the the, the idea of connection. That was the first thing for me. Just um, just feeling very disconnected from people for a very long time. You know, uh, no, for, for, you know, when we had to like stop doing in person worship. I thought, you know, we can do that, you know, that, that, and, and for a couple of weeks, the novelty was exciting. You know, we felt like, you know, like you're in, when you're in crisis mode, you kind of, you get, there's a shot of adrenaline. There's a sense of immediate purpose. You're providing people hope in a very dark time. The the problem is when it, when it trails out and it's, it's five weeks and six weeks. I remember about the six week mark, I was really tired of, you know, the word of God is the word of God's always powerful, but 
it you have to real the faith button has to it, it flips has to flip differently when there's nobody in the room. Yeah, it's a different experience. It, I remember HL was talking about yeah. how difficult it was on the band. Yeah, you were talking about it. I have a picture on, on my phone still. I took a picture when Kenny was preaching. Yeah, and it was a picture of Kenny in an empty room, and he's just staring at a at a camera. Yeah, and uh, that that is we, what we now know is that that is not the same experience. No, for worship leaders, it's not the same experience. Yeah, and it's and it's not even for people who are watching it online. It's not the same experience for them, and you know this because when they finally do come back to church and they're weeping, yeah, because they just missed it so much. I've heard that multiple people saying the same thing. Well, and to me, it's like your faith has to go. Like I had to find a different gear for my faith in that because I, you have to almost engage an imagine imagination that you didn't have yeah. to before. It's like yeah. when we would preach or teach. When you preach and teach, and there's people, there are people you in get the room. Feedback. There's feedback, and you also you talk about community with a community, yeah. as opposed to talking about these things when there's nobody there. So you have to, you know, they're there mentally, but you have to imagine yeah. what they're, what how how they're engaging. And so for me, that that sense of connection, and even went to the point of like with you know during any we're somewhat back here now with to some with some extent, but people wearing masks and wherever you fall on that spectrum there is a, a visible disconnect from that person. You, you, you know, I don't know what the percentage is. It's mm-hmm. something like 80% of communication is nonverbal. The, when that goes away, there's a sense of barrier in, in communication. And then there's also, like you're talking about, just the, the ideological thing that goes off in your head. Well, am I, you know, do I agree with them on this? And, and you have to not pass judgment vice, you know, and vice versa. So there's a disconnect that goes on there. And then the other thing for me, and it, it was just, and it, it goes to your point too, having to make decisions in real time, I felt like we were always being reaction. We had to be reactionary. Mm. We could never be proactive with anything. Yeah. Um, there was no certainty during those times yeah. about, about facts, yeah. about the facts of the, of the virus, the facts of the, the impact, uh, or the, what, what we should, what, what, it, uh, what it took to yeah. not catch the virus, how deadly it was going to be. There was no certainty at all. It, it seemed like every week it kept changing. Well, and, and we would even try to make ministry plans early on. Remember, we were going to do the Palm Sunday parade around, you know, car parade oh, yeah, around the yeah. lake. And then that week things went, I mean, they locked down Lake Hollingsworth. I mean, they, so it was like, oh, you know, and people got started getting excited. Oh, we can come out and at least see each other from cars. And then we felt like, oh, they can't even feel like we can't even do that. And so those sorts of things were very deflating. And, and we're planners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to plan things, and I'm an event guy, you know. So uh, we couldn't do that. That was that was difficult. I do think that we've gotten to a place now where people, they're, they're, they're wise to, A, they're wise to, to what, what it, this thing is, and they've made their choices. Yeah. And I think that's an important place. That's a, that is an important distinction of where we were. They had not made their choices. They're still trying to weigh in. Most yeah. people were. Some people were pretty certain then, but most people were like, I'm not sure what to do. I think people have made their choices. They know that if the positivity rates are this or the you know, the you know, case rates are this, they're not going to be engaged in the community and yeah. out in the community as much. And others are saying, no, I'm, you know, I'm vaccinated. I'm this, I'm that. I'm, I'm comfortable with being in, in a crowd. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord or whatever 
their say. Everybody's made their decision. So I, I think we're a lot more settled now. Yeah. We're not we're not settled about the, the fact of it, just settled with what our response is yeah. going to be to the fact of it. And that does make that does help, I think. It does today. make it it does make a it, it does make a difference. It's you know, we had an event this past Sunday, which probably a year ago we probably would have canceled had positivity rates been where they are right now. But we we made a decision it was outdoors social distancing was possible as people felt and people came out, you know, it wasn't as huge as it probably could have been in terms of numbers, but the fellowship was sweet and, um, people, again, they had made their decisions. And so we kind of said, well, we're offering this as a gift to the, to our church. And so, um, I think that that is a difference Mm -hmm. where we're at now. And, and that kind of brings us to the series where we're at now Mm -hmm. is we started a series this past Sunday called longings. And the idea behind, Initially, the idea behind the series was as people were going to be coming back more and more into in-person worship, because as, you know, back in June, yeah. the attendance trends were like, we might be back to normal. By 85% then. Yeah. of yeah. our pre-COVID attendance, which to me would have been a huge number, that's probably going to level off. It's not going to get there now. But the idea was it was going to be more of a welcome back to church, and this is what, reminding people what the church is all your, about. Your breadcrumbs idea. That's right. That was bre- your concept. That's right. The breadcrumbs, bringing people back Leading in. Leading them back to church that's via, right. via that's these right. little events, like the like the family picture day this yeah, past right. Sunday. That's right. But we wanted to do this series to remind people about the importance of the um, the congregation as a source of uh, satisfying spiritual longing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this week we we jumped into John chapter four passage. It's maybe one of my favorite stories in John's gospel. Although every time I say that, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no this one, one is better. This, this one's is good. This is good. But it's the this it's the woman at the well, Samaritan yeah. woman at the well. So, talk to me about your um, your approach. What were you hoping to get at looking at John four and launching a series? We've talked yeah. in the past about the difficulty first week of series and you have to set out the whole yeah. series and yeah. feel like you map it out. But what was your approach as you hit John chapter four? Well, I just really wanted to get at that idea of the, of the universal longings of the human heart. Yeah. I wanted, and, and I, I, I felt like that story uh, with the woman at the well just illustrated it so, so well. And Jesus knew that that, that, that was the case. And while it took time for, the, for in that story for that to unfold, and I know you took a, you went further into that story to talk more about the, what happened. I sort of summarized what yeah. happened afterwards, and you, you kind of walked us through some of the details in your sermon. Uh, the, still, the point was that that woman clearly had a transformation yeah. that took place that revealed to her and to, to the entire world for posterity's sake, since we have this 2000, for mm-hmm. 2,000 years now, that there was something inside of her, in spite of the life that she had lived and the past that she had, and uh, all the circumstances of her of, of her life, there was something inside of her that wanted what Jesus was all about. Yeah. And 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 I think you and I both picked up on this idea, and this is where, certainly where I wanted to go with this: is that that's true for everybody. Yeah. What he is offering mm-hmm. is something that people can seek to find satisfaction in in other places, but they're never really going to find it until they have. For me, it was that Silver Silver Glen Springs. Yeah, I like that. Flow sixty five million ga- gallons of this clear yeah. flowing water. This is the living water from the unseen source, which is the Holy Spirit inside of us pouring out. When we have that, yeah, that's what I really wanted to get to. And then th- that was the first one, just to tap into that universal sense of we all have that. The woman certainly it was illustrated in the story with the woman at the well, but then to make that move, which we both made as well, is that and the church that Jesus began. Yeah, is where all of that kind of 
is ground zero for all that sort of percolating and living water to, to, to be dealt with, to be talked about, and to be experienced together in all kinds of ways. And so the church is where you live that out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, to me, I thought one of the things that got me was that this woman has this, this, this longing, and, and how has she tried to compensate for that longing? How does she try to distract herself from the longing or fill that longing on her own. And I loved how you do your discussion about distraction. Yeah, because I... That's very helpful because we are... It's very typical of so many people yeah. that we're trying to... We have something we know we feel, but we're trying to fill it in all kinds of other ways. Yeah, because I think it, it is a universal feeling that, that... I mean, that's that very, you know that hole that, that Pascal talks about, the vacuum of God, that only God can fill. But we try to fill it a lot of different ways. And and the the woman obviously has lived a very specific sort of life, and Jesus calls her out on that on that lifestyle. And um and but but because of the context of the water and the 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 well he is able to tie it to something deeper about her need for him hmm. and her need for the community that only he can create. And uh, I, I, that story is so amazing because it does, it does have such a great arc. Yeah. I mean, and, and then there's all, the thing that always gets me about that story is you, you just really want to dig into every single little aspect of it. You know, I mean, the fact that she's a Samaritan, the fact that Jesus is, I, I mean, and you've probably preached from that passage before, but taken a Multiple different angles, yeah, yeah, different angle of the outsider, you know, yeah. welcoming the outsider yeah. and the angle of, you know, defying societal norms and cultural practices. I mean, you touched on it a little bit. We both did, yeah. but you talked about that the, the whole society was built on these prejudices, you, you mm -hmm. said, and... and and um, and that's a very powerful statement for especially today. I think um, we don't like to think that our society is built on prejudices, but it really, really is. And to see Jesus come in and and, and break down those prejudices in the very conversations he, that he has. I mean, even the, even the disciples, when you follow the story, oh, along, I know, yeah. They come back and say, "What's he doing? Yeah, hey, well, the woman. What are you doing? That's the right. disciples. What are you doing? And yeah. Jesus is like, "Hey, stick with me here. Yeah, these things that are categories for you, they're non-categories." When even even you think about the the imagined conversation that they would have had even going into Samaria, I mean, like uh, these are all things that we we these aren't things you can't even get into the sermon yeah, because yeah. you're like, man, this is so rich. But you know, you have to focus and you have to narrow it down. So I got to tell you that one cool thing that happened that day, at the day we uh, we preached the sermon, Seal, my wife and I have been uh, watching off and on The Chosen, okay, which is the series. I don't know if mm -hmm. you watched watched that or not. People kept saying you got to watch it. So we started into it. And the first one was okay, and the second one they kept getting better and better. But Sunday nights, she's like, let's watch another episode. What was the episode? Oh, wow. Jesus and the woman at the well. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, Jesus. All right, people who made this movie, are you going to do the same thing that Pastor Zach did today? Are you going to do the same <laughs> thing that I did today? Are you going to take the same angle? And sure enough, these same themes. Are you, yeah. you can't tell the story without these. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I was a little disappointed that they, that they didn't sit more with the, what, the, what he meant when he, when he was offering her the living water. Yeah. He didn't sit more with that in that, in that concept and, uh, uh, because that's such a big, big thing to her. She was, uh, she was confused by that. And yeah. here he's saying, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. And one of the things that you brought up, and, and I, I had it, and this is, a, this is a cutting room floor sort of thing, um, in my notes, but, but I knew I was not going to have time to dig into it. And I felt like in our last series, we had really touched on a lot of it. It was the, 
the the Holy Spirit side of that. I mean, you did touch on it. You went into John seven, seven and yeah. and um, picked that up. And I oh, I was back and forth. I was like, man, it's hard. Those are hard decisions. I yeah, know. and I was like, well, we we've been pre- we have preached quite a bit on the Holy Spirit in the last series. So, uh, but uh, and I and I really wanted to focus in on the church situation. But there is so much to that. I mean, in the that John seven, you know, passage in the context of of the festival, the last and greatest day, where, where there was there was an a water pouring ritual that they they practiced. That that you just there's so many things you could do, but to get back to this fundamental idea that we live with this longing, and we live with this desire for the presence of God, the presence of Jesus Christ. And it's offered to us freely as a mm-hmm. gift that can that that isn't something you go and work for, isn't something that you go and labor for. It's something that's given to you. It's just such a powerful image and how it tra- changed that woman's life and uh, and what that means for all of us, yeah. you know. Um, and and it's for for where we're headed in this series, it sets up nicely. So talk to me about where where we're going this week. We, we, we've got... Uh, yeah, we're going to do a kind of faith um, manifesting itself in, in real action. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's, this is the, a little bit of James in here. Mm-hmm. Faith without works is, is dead. Uh, that's certainly that idea of that. But it's the, if there is a longing for spirituality as a general concept, there's also a longing for, to know that we're going to do something meaningful yeah, with, in, it. With, with our lives. And you hear that from, the, from high schoolers on up. I want yeah. to do something that matters. I okay. want to do something. And you hear that from the high schoolers all the way to, you know, people in their, their late years mm-hmm. and, and looking back on their life saying, have I done something that matters? Yeah. And, and is there something that yet to be done that, that matters? And so that whole longing for doing something that is m- meaningful is directly connected to ministry, directly connected to faith, which is put into action and lived out through our giftedness and through our, our actions. So that's where we're going this week. And then, and then we'll head into, you know, again, this is, this is about the four things that people long for in this life the four mm-hmm. reasons things they look for needs they have that really god has given to us that kind of put into our hard wiring that the church is uniquely there and was created this body the body of christ of jesus to to meet yeah not that not that it's pandering it's just like that's the real thing that god yeah. has put into us and he's created a real set of conditions with community to help meet that spirituality is one ministering doing meaningful work is another care giving and receiving care mm-hmm. that is a that is a need that people have and then um fellowship what's the last one fellowship yeah fellowship and community, yeah. community. you know having a place where they where they the sense of belonging yeah. is real i belong these are my people yeah that's where we're heading yeah it's exciting and and you know our our hope is that people will will be in worship but we also know that there are folks that cannot right now and and so they can grab a hold of these ideas online and uh it, creates an idea of, of hope for the future and and uh you know it, it's it's a, it's a good series it's an exciting yeah. series and an important one for us right now an important one for us as we still deal with this uh this coronavirus pandemic that we're going we're going to get through it everybody yeah, yeah we yeah. are going to get to the other side of yeah. this this yeah. thing is going to spike this thing's going to start to taper off. We're yeah. going to get back to that, uh, to, to, to something more normal. I don't know if we'll ever get, ever get back to yeah. normal. Lots of people are saying that. I agree. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get back to what it was like before. We're different people now. Yeah. But we will get to a new day where there'll be less uh, anxiety on the part of many people. Yeah. 
uh, to get back together. Just want to remind everybody that uh, if you haven't uh, heard or seen the messages from this past week, you can uh, see them. They're live right now on our website, newly redesigned website. Well done, uh, Jennifer Winters very, and company. Very well done. Uh, you can also watch them on our YouTube page, um, or there's a Roku channel for FPC Lakeland as well. Do uh, we have archives on the website? Uh, that we do have archives on the website as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah sermon okay, archives. Yeah, that's how I that's how I listened to yours because I was preaching, so I had to go and listen to yours uh, yesterday. And uh, on the website, I went straight to the website, and I was actually able to listen to yours. And so you have that option to listen to it. Um, or watch it as well too. So um, check out the website fpclakeland.org or visit our YouTube page. You just search for FPC Lakeland. Um, and those are the best ways to go and find the sermons. And this week, uh, 1030 in person, Vine and Classic um, or and 815 for Classic or you can watch online, Facebook, YouTube, Roku and the website, website. as well too. So John, thanks so much. Glad hey, it's good to be back doing this. It is. And it's always, you know, to me, it's always a good clarifying thing to talk through these um, afterwards because as you're as you're prepping for the next week it's always good to remember where you've been for the week the week previous and mm-hmm. it's a building block thing so appreciate you hanging out for a few minutes and uh, we look forward to uh, continuing the armchair preaching uh, next week as well got it again next week all right thank you everybody have a great week